We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 7th, 2010. And today, this is, uh, we're going to be doing a more of a Bible study today more than anything else. Uh, this is the first study I've done since all this happened uh, with my mom regarding her uh, her uh, stroke that she had and the end-stage cancer that she's battling. And I just want to thank everybody that um, has prayed for this situation. I know there's a lot out there. I've got a lot of really nice emails. I haven't been able to respond to them all, but I really thank you for your prayers and and uh, for, you know, as I say before, for the people that have donated into the ministry. And I, I just really praise the Lord for you. And... Um, Praise the Lord that that um, you've. I've just really felt the strength of of I believe of these people praying for the situation, and um, anyway, I just wanted to wanted to make that clear and make that known, and uh, may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you. Uh, I will probably end up doing a dedicated study regarding that situation. Um, a little further down the line, I'm, I'm, it's kind of a study in the making regarding my mom. I don't want to do it too soon. It does not look good for her. I don't know when this audio will actually go up on the internet because we're still in the transitional period of trying to get the website up and running and it's just real tough for me to devote a lot of time to it right now. But, um, uh, I kind of want to wait till things play out a little bit further to do any type of study on that. Uh, but the bottom line is I was able to lead my mom to the Lord uh, when the stroke happened. And I do believe it was very sincere. I gave her a clear presentation of the gospel. And uh, I think that was the reason it happened. I think it took all this. And uh, she's been in pain for a couple years. And um, I, I didn't know this until recently. But I, I think a lot of times the Lord will use um, things that are of a very unpleasant nature in order to finally bring you to Him. And uh, with different people, He does it different ways. <clears throat> and with my mom and even my dad, it was pretty much a very similar way. Uh, so, praise the Lord. Uh, that's always been my prayers, whatever it takes to get somebody saved, you know, I pray the Lord does it. And a lot of times those things that he might use are pretty, from a worldly standpoint, could be pretty horrific. But, uh, you know, if they end up getting saved and going to heaven, that's all that really matters. You know, and the long and the short of it, a thousand years from now, that's what's going to matter. And I understand there's rewards and things like that. But um, heaven and hell, that that decision that they make, you know, that's the... That's the most important thing. So today we're going to be, uh, I'm kind of limited on what I could do here. Uh, my computer's down. It's been down twice. Uh, I've had this thing go on with, <coughs> excuse me, with my mom. Uh, that's been tough. She's in hospice and uh, really didn't, was put in a position where it just had no choice at all. Um, that was the only referral the oncologist would make and she's in a, position right now where it's 24-7 nursing and, you know, she's been on a catheter and morphine pain pump on the whole nine yards and uh, 
I had done everything I could possibly do up to that point. And um, so she's, I've had to skip a couple weeks on the teachings. And she's in uh, hospice right now. And uh, I've had so many things go wrong. And it's kind of, it's going to kind of relate to this teaching that we'll be doing today. (coughs) Excuse me. Because um, we're going to be talking about the cross of Christ and uh, how a lot of times we we end up uh, suffering for things. And not to say that I'm any gold standard there by any stretch of the imagination, but it does kind of relate to this teaching that we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at a lot of the verses. And this is a study that probably should be done in light of the initial study I did on salvation. And then I have a lot of people saying, well, does that mean... You know, we can just live like the devil after we're saved and, 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 you know, and what I point people to at that point is I think you need to listen to the study I've done on baptism, second after salvation, and then the study on overcoming. Now, the studies are available now. All my old studies, every single one of them are available, um, couple different ways that I believe you can find them. Contendingfortruth.com. Contendingfortruth.com. All one word. You can go up there and in the left-hand corner of the top part of the website, you'll see audio and you can click on that. Now, all those audios, you'll see a link in there that'll say archive. Uh, it's, it's a line and it says the archive teachings are here. So you click on that link and every single one of the teachings I've done are up there. So thank God my webmaster, uh, Tim, who volunteers all his time for this website, he was able to get those up pretty short order. There's not really any descriptions though. If you click on the link, it's just going to start playing. You have the option of either playing it or downloading it. So the the bottom line, though, is that the, all the old studies are up there. They're not in any particular order, though, and they're not in a searchable format. Uh, at some point, hopefully, we'll have that. But with 386 teachings, it's uh, going to be a lot of work to get all that. Uh, there's there's a lot of individual things that have to be done, and obviously, my time right now is very limited. His time is very limited, so um, you might <coughs> excuse me. You might have to go up there and. Uh, kind of peruse things in order to find a teaching you're looking for. Or you could go up to YouTube and key in the uh, title you're looking for with my name, just Scott Johnson, or the subject, and you'll most likely find it on YouTube because they've all been archived by different people up on YouTube, Stephen being the main one that's put them up there. Now, on that initial page that I was talking about up on contendingfortruth.com, on that link under audio, you can click on the archive, and you'll see, a, I don't know, three or four teachings that are already, we've already put a description in for. But again, we're going to have to do that with 300-some teachings, and uh, <clears throat> that's going to take a long time. But beyond that, you'll also see two options where it has an iTunes option, and then another, I think, just like a, I don't know, an RSS feed or an MP3 feed or something like that. You can click on either of those, and you can actually download the teachings. Now, what my webmaster asked is that if you go up to iTunes, you have the option. They're all up there on iTunes, every one of them now. So if you weren't able to access them before, they're up there now. 
the thing about that <clears throat> is that if you do download all, you're going to be downloading 386 teachings, and you'll overload our server, and we, you know, we may get kicked off. So if you could just download, you know, maybe three or four at a time, um, and do it that way, and I don't know, it would take a lot longer, but if everybody goes up there at the same time and starts doing that on iTunes, uh, it's going to be kind of a mess, and we'll probably overload the server. So anyway, uh, you have a couple options there as well. the study that I'm doing today is on the cross, essentially the cross of Christ. And I've done a study on uh, the cross of Christ versus the accursed tree. And then that's a study you can access up there in the archive teachings on contendingfortruth.com. This is a little bit different, though. And it does kind of relate to, you know, the overall subject of um, that, cut that I mentioned I was kind of going through and um, a lot of other things in the Bible. And, and I think it's an important teaching to... This would be an important teaching to listen to. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the teaching I did on overcoming. This would be kind of along with that teaching, so we can kind of understand once we're saved uh, what to expect. Really, is I, I think that's important because a lot of people think, it, particularly in America, where you got these mega churches and so much lukewarm preaching going on. And, you know, this, this thing that happened with me with Sermon Audio, I mean, <clears throat> although Sermon Audio was polite to me, they never even gave me a reason. I heard it through the grapevine that it was because I was getting too big. And a lot of people were starting to associate my name with Sermon Audio. <clears throat> so I can understand that, but the way that I was taken off was very unbiblical, I believe. I was given very little time, literally about ten days. And we're talking, I had never even got one warning from Sermon Audio, ever. Uh, the closest I had got to a warning was the study I did on Ed Watson, and they just took that down, and I, that wasn't up there for more than 16 hours. And when they took it down, <clears throat> uh, he didn't even, uh, the, the owner didn't even say that he would dispute anything that I had said. But... They don't want that type of stuff going on up in Sermon Audio. But the Bible does say to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, 17, and 18. So there was a lot of verses that I believe made that teaching extremely biblical from a warning type of standpoint. But they weren't willing to acknowledge that. <clears throat> I made several requests to Sermon Audio on little things they could have done to make it a little bit easier on my listeners and on myself regarding this transition. And about the only thing they did is send me the the website on DVD format, and they they did overnight that to their credit. But as far as any of my requests, they were all ignored, every one of them. I I couldn't get any more time. It It was less than 10 days. I just did the thing on Ed Watt, and then my mom had this stroke, and one thing after another. I have had more uh, <clears throat> things go on in the last three to four weeks than I can tell you. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just the, the Lord's going to test us. The Lord is going to test us. And, that, and he puts us in these positions to see how we're going to react. 
And I'm not saying I've passed with flying colors. Okay, but the fact remains is that he's doing this to test our faith and, and to see what type of ultimate reaction we're going to have to the situations. And if we fail these tests, well, be sure that it's going to come around again. It's kind of like I've heard the analogy of if you're going up a mountain and you fail a test, you're going to keep, you're going to not go up any further. You're just going to keep going around that same spot on the mountain over and over. And then when you pass the test, then you go up a little bit higher. You fail another one, then you just go, you don't go any higher. You're just kind of going around the mountain at the same level. Well, that's kind of the way I believe the Lord works things with us a lot of times uh, regarding you know, trials and tribulations and things like that that we have in our life. <clears throat> and Jesus Christ never promised us a rose garden on this earth. The Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It says it. I mean, it's flat out there. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <clears throat> so, it's something we should be expecting. <clears throat> Most people are astonished if they're a true Christian and it happens because they haven't been prepared for it uh, in the churches most of the time. And if they haven't gotten into their Bible, then they're really unprepared. This is why it's important not to put your trust in a man, but only the Word of God. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. So we don't want to trust in man. <clears throat> We want to put our trust and faith in the word of God. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whomsoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whomsoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So it's something, these are some, some of these verses are like, a, uh, you can look at them and say, look at yourself and say, Okay, how does that apply to me? And, and how has, uh, like for instance, for this one, whosoever shall save his life and whosoever, has your life changed since you've been saved? I mean, are you still doing the same stuff? Are you still craving the same things? Now, I'm not saying as a baby Christian, it's not going to take time for things, you know. Sometimes, it for a lot of people, it is instantaneous and they really do make a miraculous change. For some people, though, it takes a lot longer. It took a lot longer for me, I'll be honest. I went through tribulation in order for the Lord to change me. Uh, a lot of it. And it wasn't instantaneous because I had a lot of sin issues and a lot of baggage from the past. And, and the guy that led me to the Lord was a very poor example. He didn't really lead me to the Lord. He gave me a book that did. But he was a terrible example. And, and so much so that he ended up leaving his wife for another woman, justified it, was cheating on her, and then um, was so full of greed to boot, um, and then stuck her with a gigantic IRS bill. She has, and still has to this day, virtually nothing, and has continued to dump on her year after year after year, and yet goes to a church and calls himself a born-again Christian, and he, and he abandoned his wife, who totally loved him, and forced her into that position and is with another woman and this marriage is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. God does not sanction that. It's very clear. You can't do that. Well, he's an adulterer in God's eyes. 
I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Now, I, I, I really question if he's even saved. I don't, you know, he seemed like he loved the Lord when I first met him, but I also saw what the fruit I saw from him afterward. I, you know, that's between him and God, but <clears throat> it says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, that doesn't mean we walk around like some of these guys I, I see that are, they'll, they'll take those big crosses and they'll run out, granted, okay, maybe, you know, I don't want to judge them either. Okay, because uh, but I'm just saying that's <clears throat> the cross of Christ is what we're actually going to be discussing today. It's like your burden that you have in Christ Jesus. It is it is um, not like you're walking around with a literal wooden cross on your back all the time. Okay, it's the, the Bible does define that. And if you go to that study that I did, the cross of Christ versus the accursed tree, I'll define that a lot better for you. And we're not going to. Uh, do a rehash of that a little bit, but not a total rehash of that today. Um, <clears throat> but we're supposed to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. The only way you can really follow him is by getting into his word and understanding what that encompasses. You could, or you could trust the teaching of a man or a woman or a book, and you could get their interpretation. I had a lady the other day email me, and she said, oh, I, you, you, I think you're wrong about this, totally. And it was some teaching where the, I just looked at it briefly, where it said, everybody's being saved. Everybody. Everybody's getting saved. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. There are so many verses on hell you know, fear not that, that them that, that are able to kill the body, but fear them that are able to cast thee, him that's able to cast thee, body and soul, into hell. Jesus Christ, you know, can do that. And that's not something that we want to mess around with. But there's all kind of heresies out there. It's just unbelievable. I can't keep up with all the heresies that are out there. Um... This is more than a full-time job as it is, and I still can't keep up with it all. I can't keep up with all the breaking current events, and a lot of them are further heresies, like the whole garbage about you know the aliens and Maitreya and all that other stuff that is going to probably most likely play a large part in the end-time delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's what God's going to do. So we need to arm ourselves now because we're, I literally believe that strong delusion, uh, the start of that's already been sent. I think it's going to get worse though. I mean, let's face it, the whole world's going to have to fall hook, line, and sinker for the false, uh, for the false prophet and the antichrist. There's got to be some big time delusion that's going to take place. And it hasn't fully went down yet, if you think about it. Because nobody on the planet is saying, I mean, the masses, the, the media is not saying anything about a false Christ or some Messiah that's on the horizon yet. I mean, I'm talking mass media. I'm talking worldwide. So I know that we can have the Benjamin Krim interviewed by you know George Norrie and, and these types of things where he talks about that. But um, it hasn't went down yet, <laughs> near to the extent which it is going to go down in the most likely the very near future. So, like I said, we've really seen nothing yet. Um, if we're equipped and prepared, then not only 
will we ourselves be not deceived? We're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. That's what the Bible says. Well, also, if we're educated on these matters, we'll be able to help others when the time comes. And hopefully we'll be able to pull others out of the fire. Because if they fall for hook, line, and sinker, they're going to hell. Because it's just a matter of time before they'll, they'll end up taking the mark of the beast. So, it's just something to think about. John 11.25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So, see, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. So, the wages of the price... Of sin is death. Okay, death and hell, essentially. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I've done a whole teaching on salvation that gets into that subject in depth. Okay? So, um, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you want to know more about that subject, just key the, the go to the Contending for Truth or the YouTube and just key in Salvation and Dr. or Scott, just Scott Johnson is all you need to do and you'll find it. <clears throat> so, let me just, uh, then and then the next verse, John eleven twenty six says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? So, we're going to see, as I've always mentioned and as I've always hearkened back to, what this really boils down to is faith. It usually always tends to boil down to faith. See, without faith, you'll fall away. That's what causes people to fall away, if you think about it. They either don't have faith or they lack faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, we build faith by hearing the word of God. That's why it's important to get into it and read it and speak it and these types of things. Memorize it. Because it will build your faith. And we need faith now more than ever. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me, Jesus said this, shall never die. This is implying, you know, Eternal life through Jesus Christ. John twelve twenty four says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So the corn of wheat has to fall on the ground, die, and then it's actually able to bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, like the parable of the sower. Now, there's different types of fruit. Fruit can mean that you're winning others to Christ. Fruit can mean the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. Fruit could mean the true meaning of uh, you know, charity, which is the highest embodiment of love. Charity in the King James is a much, it's like the highest embodiment of the word love. And to really get that definition right, you go to an 1828 Noah Webster's, which you can find that up on the internet, or you can order them, 
And you look at the definition of charity, because it's from a biblical definition, the way the word was actually meant and used, um, more along the lines of when the King James Bible was written and afterward. <clears throat> That's a good thing to, to know. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ways that fruit can be manifested, in other words. It doesn't, and again, it has to do with the body of Christ, because, see, the Bible says, can the eye, you know, can the, uh, Finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you, this type of thing. Well, we all have different functions. So all of us aren't going to bear fruit in the exact same way the next person is. You know, the finger's not going to bear the same fruit the eye might have. You know, it, it's different. You can bear fruit like um, being a watchman, warning others. That's a way, that's a, you're doing something valuable. Okay? There's, there's tons of different ways fruit, you can be, bear fruit by raising your family in a godly way. Um, by looking out for, I mean, there's so many different ways. So don't, don't get locked into, well, I've just got to be, uh, soul winning 24 seven. That's important. And I try to put out tracks wherever I go. And I know this ministry's brought a lot of people to Christ. Um, but I believe my primary thrust is to be a watchman. Um, and that's, and a teacher. And that's all I really claim to be. Ultimately, what you want, whatever you're doing, you do want that ultimate fruit, though, to lead people to Christ. And, and that's true. But if, if you're bearing fruit in, in a lot of different ways, um, people will see that. And ultimately, according to the Lord's will, that will lead people to Christ. So, if we go further, uh, next verse, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That doesn't mean we go around with a negative attitude. Okay? <clears throat> when it says, hateth his life, in the context of, of that verse, um, it's just, what, what the, the message that uh, Jesus is trying to convey here, I believe, is that we're not supposed to love this life in this world and want to be here on this earth. This is not our home. We're just passing through. I The Bible says, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's my desire. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be here. I just want to live, while I'm here in this life, I just want to live simply. A simplistic, uncomplicated Life and the more material possessions you have, the more you have to worry about. And again, um, I'm not saying just because somebody that's a baby Christian or a new Christian doesn't feel that way doesn't mean they're saved. I'm just saying you will come to that point at some point after you're saved where you're just wanting, whoa, I just want to be with the Lord. <laughs> I just want to, you know, you think about all the things you have to deal with on a daily basis. All the stress and strife and all the things that you're going through. That will cease when you die. You won't have to worry about paying the bills and, and doing this or doing that or dealing with this one or dealing with that one. I'm not saying that should be our motivation, but I'm saying it, it is a fact. You know, and it, I mean, it, and in a good way if you're going to heaven. Obviously, in a really, really severely bad way if you're going to hell. So... Um, he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. It's just an attribute of the way you should be heading as a Christian. 
the, the longer I'm saved, the more I really do hate being in this world. You know, especially knowing what's coming. Uh, regarding just end time stuff and regarding what's in store for America. Oh, Lord. That's why I believe the Bible says, pray that you be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this world and stand before the Son of Man. Jesus said that. So that's something we can pray for, and it is biblical. There's Bible verses that you can go to. to um, the Bible says, the, the Word of God says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And I know then it goes on to say, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. I believe there's, there's some things you can go to the Word of God in prayer and actually try to reason with the Lord. Not to say that He's unreasonable. But there are certain Bible verses I think he likes to hear quoted back. I mean, are you? I mean, when you go to the the Lord, I think the best thing, the most strongest stance you could present to him is to quote the word back to him regarding if you have a prayer request. For instance, like the situation I'm being put in with my mom. If they were to put her back here in my house, she would require 24-7 nursing. I'm not a male nurse. She has been on a catheter. She's not on one currently, but she's on a morphine pain pump, a catheter. Um, She cannot get up by herself. She cannot go to the bathroom by herself. She's essentially bedridden. She's almost, uh, she's lost a ton of her function on the left side, a lot on her right. She's totally disoriented. She has to be diapered. If I were put in that position, I would be forced to look upon her nakedness. I've already seen way more than I need to see. And it's sin. Leviticus 18.7 talks about that. We're not to look upon our mother's nakedness because she is your mother or your father's. We're not to uncover it is the way the Bible talks about it. I quote that verse to the Lord. It's not because I'm lazy, but I do not have a piece about being put in that position. I don't. And I will quote that verse. The big thing with my mom is I believe she's saved. At this point, I knew it took a lot to get her saved, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm just using that kind of as an example about what we're talking about. Okay, so if we go further, John twelve twenty six: If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Acts 17.28, for, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is Jesus Christ. Also certain, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his off, offspring. We're, it's like we're adopted into the family of God. We're kings and priests. The Bible refers to us. In these, in these ways. In the, in the New Testament, we're also referred to as the sons of God. Now in the Old Testament... The phrase, the sons of God in Hebrew, was only used in regard when talking about angels. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. But the sons of God in the New Testament is referring to New Testament saints, born-again Bible-believing saints. Okay, So it's important to make that distinction when you refer to that specific phrase. And how do you know that? Well, you look at how it's used. In the New Testament, it's only used in regard to New Testament, born-again, Bible-believing saints. In the Old Testament, the sons of God is only used uh, in regard to angels. 
And that's how you define scripture. You know, you look at scripture upon scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. This is how we rightly divide the word of truth. We're supposed to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is what we what we're supposed to do. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made thee, meaning Abraham, a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were. Quickeneth mean to make alive. Okay? See, when we're when we're before we're saved, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're on our way to hell. He can quicken the dead. He can make somebody who's a dead man walking. If you think about it, if you're unsaved, you're hanging over hell. You're just one heartbeat away from dropping into hell. Your heart stops, you drop straight into hell. Well, that's not politically correct. Well, I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible clearly states. <laughs> so, you know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16 Next verse, who against hope believed in hope. See, if you think about it, if you, you could be in a position where you say, I have no hope. And you believe that. What does that tell you? That means you lack faith to believe, to have the hope. Because it requires faith to have hope, right? It's, it's dependent upon faith. Hope is. You can't be hopeful and have no faith. And faith is what this all hinges on. Over and over and over again. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross. His redemptive blood to save our souls. Believing on that sacrifice to pay our, our sin debt. You know, for our salvation. So, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. This is Abraham. According to that which is spoken so shall thy seed be. Now the Bible says if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Uh, Next verse, Romans 4.19. And being not weak in faith, he considered it not his own body now, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, when, when the Lord promised him a child, um, he wasn't weak in faith, even though he was 100 years old. Which, you know, technically speaking, it's pretty tough to have a child when you're 100 years old. Okay? But see, what did it boil down to? Faith. Um, then, next verse, he staggered not at the promise of God, because God promised him this, he'd have a child. He... He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, you think about it, God created the universe. He is what makes the world spin. He's what makes the sun burn. He's what makes all the stars burn and give off light. He framed the universe by his word, his words, 
Is there anything too hard for him? I mean, there is nothing too hard for him. And there's Bible verses that even talk, you know, about that. Is there anything too hard for me? He asks. No, there's nothing too hard for him. But you have to have the faith to believe that. Going further, it says, And now, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Okay, and that, and that was the, the end of that verse. So he's able to perform it. He's able to do that. Romans 5.2 By whom, and this is Jesus Christ, we have also access by faith. See, we have access by our faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot be a born-again Christian and have no faith in Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross. His free gift that He offered you. By whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, faith leads to hope. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now this is the hard part. And this is what we're going to be talking about a lot today. We glory in tribulations? That's not, don't sound too fun. But it's part of the process of being a Christian. According to the Bible. Now, I know there's some people that have lived and died as Christians, particularly in America, and they probably haven't suffered, let's say, a lot of persecution. Okay, not to say they haven't went through a lot of tribulations, though. Okay, because God can use other things to test and try us in this life. But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. I think that's one of the reasons I've had a lot of tribulations since I've been saved, because I was not patient at all. I'm still not patient enough. I know it. It's probably my worst attribute. Tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. So we have then now the experience to draw upon. And experience hope. But again, in order to get through all that, you had to have faith at the beginning in order to get to that hope part. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. As a born-again Christian, the Holy Ghost comes and dwells and lives inside you. Is what we're talking about there. Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by His blood, to be justified means to be made just before God. You're just. Just like to be sanctified through His blood is to be made holy and set apart. The word sanctification. Being now justified by His blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We're saved from wrath through Jesus Christ. For if we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. This is how we were reconciled to God the Father is via and through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. He reconciled us. He brought us into right relationship with God the Father. 
if we accept his free gift through Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his finished work on the cross. And again, I've done a whole teaching on salvation that you can access that I told you about. But <clears throat> So we shall be saved by wrath through him. For if we were enemies, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. He atoned, he paid for our sins that we committed. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we had to have a way to atone for those sins. And the blood of goats and bulls and cows never could fully pay that. Only the blood of the perfect lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, Jesus Christ, could pay or atone for our sins. Romans 6.3 Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So this is what baptism is. It's a type of of, um, being baptized, a, a type of that. Baptized into his death. Like when you go back into the water and you come forward, raised in the newness of life, baptized into his death. Next verse. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Okay, so this is why I think baptism is very important. And again, I did a whole study on baptism. It's probably the second thing you would need to listen to after you hear the salvation study. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. In other words, like our old nature, our old man is like crucified with him on the cross. He paid the sin debt for all humanity. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So see, after you get saved, you're not supposed to just keep living the same way you were living before and serve sin and serve the things that are... Does that mean you're going to walk around sinless perfection? No. But we should strive. And, And again, it's... I really believe it's a process. I mean, God could just come and touch you and you could be walking around, but that's not how it goes down. Some people are rapidly improved quicker than others as far as that goes. It doesn't give us an excuse to sin. We don't sin that grace may may abound. But I'm just saying, everybody's different. Everybody's got their own baggage. And this process just doesn't happen the same at the same rate for everybody. We've all got different issues. And God knows how to handle us in different ways. Because we're all created differently. So, again, you know, if you're not progressing at the same rate as someone else you might see, let's say you got saved at the same time, that isn't something that, granted, we want to strive for perfection. But it's also not a contest where, you know, well, I'm more holy than you, and you're, no, you don't get into that. (laughs) 
Because then pride can come in. And when that happens, it's real bad. Luke 6.10 For in that he died, he died unto sin once. See, he doesn't have to keep being dying over and over like the Catholics believe. That's why they have Jesus Christ on their crucifix. On the cross, if you go into their church. He's still up there on the cross. They've got to continually re-sacrifice him. Just like, like in Old Testament times with the Levitical priesthood, they had to continually re-sacrifice lambs and bulls and goats and this types of stuff over it. They want to keep it that way. The Catholic Church wants to keep Jesus Christ up on the cross. They want to keep him in the manger, little baby Jesus, and they want to keep him up on the cross, pitiful looking uh, Jesus that they portray up on the cross. And they want to tell you that the only way you can get to him now is through Mary, who they call the co-redemptrix. And that's the only way you can get saved, too. And that's official church position of the Catholic Church. Co-redemptrix. You've got to get redeemed through Mary and Jesus. And Mary's the way you get to Jesus. The Bible says there's one moderator between mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So we go through the Lord Jesus Christ, not through Mary. Okay, so let's go further here. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye your also yourselves to be dead unto sin. Now, this is something it says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reckon ourselves. We're supposed to reckon it like it's just it just is. It's a done deal. It's hard to do, isn't it? But these are verses you can quote when you're having problems with sin issues. You can quote this verse, I reckon myself dead unto sin. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. So, if we reckon ourselves dead unto sin and we quote scripture when we're tempted and these types of things, this is a lot of times what makes the devil flee. Now, you have to have the faith to believe it. You can't just mouth it with your mouth and not believe it. But the Bible says to reckon yourselves also to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Because if you give in to sin, and you keep giving in to it, it can start to reign in your mortal body. Meaning it's on the throne. Sin's on the throne now. It's reigning, not God. And when it reigns, you're going to obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Members basically being the parts of your body. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Okay, this is the way it should be. You know, now do we... Does that mean we don't ever struggle? Well, I mean, even Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I should do, that I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, that I do. Now, it doesn't give us a license to sin, but even Paul recognized that uh, as a, you know, 
And I think the closer you get to the Lord, the more you realize that. Because the closer you get to a light, the more you're going to see yourself as who you are. Light sheds light on you. And the closer you get to God, the more you're going to see your own shortcomings and baggage and sin issues and things that you thought weren't sin. And the more you get in the Word of God, the more you're going to realize it is sin. This is why you'll hear me say a lot, cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they do not have dominion over us. Secret faults would be faults that you're not even aware of. And it's the same with presumptuous. I had a question the other day. What does presumptuous sins mean? Well, it means sins you presume to be not sin. You're presuming that's not even a sin. But it is in God's eyes, and it's separating you from Him. But you don't even know what's happening. God can show you those things. So, it's just something to kind of define there. Uh, Let's see. For for sin shall not have dominion over you. This is Romans 6.14. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey. So in other words, you know, if you're yielding yourself to sin, then you're the servant of sin. And then it goes on to say, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, if you're a true born-again Christian and you sin, and you let's say you even have the conviction, but you keep doing it over and over, well, eventually you could die. The Bible talks about even partaking of the Lord's Supper, that many have partaken of it unworthily. I don't think they had confessed their sins or had any intention to, to give up a certain thing or whatever. And it says many many sleep because of this. And in that context, the word sleep means they've died or they're sickly among you. Many that are sick. Now, if you have somebody that's sick or this or that and, and um, it's because of a sin issue in your life... I don't think it matters what you would do with that person. Nutritionally, whatever. Because it's judgment of God. God's doing that to bring them back. They may not even be aware of it, though. Because they haven't been in the Word. They don't understand what's going on. They think, oh, woe is me. This is why the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What is the true source of knowledge that we need to be going to? The Bible. So if you get into the Bible, a lot of times a lot of your questions end up getting cleared up. The problem we run into is so many people have so many preconceived notions and they choose to believe some man or some woman or some book they read about some particular doctrine where they isolate some selected portion of scripture to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible and they build a doctrine and or a cult off that like the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists and these types of people. Then you're just another cult member going to hell. You need to get into it for yourself and see what the Bible says. A lot of times people get into this stuff and you know one of the questions you can ask them is, had you never been exposed to this cult doctrine, and I know you would have put it that way, but whatever they're believing, would you have ever come to this conclusion on your own reading the Bible? Like the Jehovah Witnesses. 
They have to have all kind of other extra biblical stuff in order to get their cult, um, to get into their cult belief system. Like, for instance, in the Mormons, the Book of Mormon, and the Pearl of Great Price. And, you know, then invariably they usually have their own seers or prophets that give also extra biblical interpretations on things. Or like the Watchtower magazine, which is supposedly angelically inspired. Even though that same magazine has predicted the end of the world wrong on I don't know how many occasions. And that's what I bring up to a Jehovah Witness if I get into it with them. Oh, isn't the book of isn't the Watchtower magazine angelically inspired? Well, then why did it predict the end of the world wrong on so many different occasions? They don't have an answer. They stopped predicting the end of the world because they were kept getting it wrong so many times they kept losing so many followers. <laughs> Let God be true and every man a liar. So, again, I don't try to point people to me. I try to point them to the Word of God, the King James Bible. And there are other accurate translations off the King James Bible in other languages. Those, those do exist. Just so you know, I've got that question come up before. There are versions that are actually based off the King James Bible. The King James Bible is the Bible for today in the English language. Okay, um, If you want to know more about that, I would contact Dr. D.A. Waite at Bible for Today. He's King James Bible defender for 60 plus years. And um, he can get you in touch with some resources regarding that. Because I do have some people that they don't speak English. So what do they do? Well, okay, well, there are other um, things out there that you can do that are actually based on King James Bible, not these corrupt texts like all these other new Bible versions that we get, like the NIV and, and the uh, ASV and all these other ones. So, But contact him on, the, on that particular question. Uh, and you just look him up on the internet. Dr. D.A. Waite, or Pastor D.A. Waite, Bible for Today. You'll find him. You got a big website. Uh, let's see here. So, next verse, Romans 6.15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you via the Bible. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But see, that's a kind of a spiritual self-check. Are you, well, I'm a born-again Bible-believing Christian, I'm living like the devil. Well, you're walking after the flesh. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't do that and God couldn't kill you. Because he could. The Bible even talks about in 1 Corinthians 5, and I did a study on this, where there was somebody in the church that had taken his father's wife to be his wife. Now, I believe it was probably uh, his, his wife had most likely died, kind of the way it's implied. Maybe, I mean, I can't imagine it being his own mom. I mean, that would be just, oh. But anyway, it does say that when you're gathered together in prayer, turn such an one over to Satan. 
for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved. 1 Corinthians 5. And then it talks about, you know, they're supposed to purge out this leaven from the church. You're not supposed to let this go. This doesn't happen anymore in the church. This does not happen. I, I don't know hardly any, I mean, I'm not saying in any church. I'm saying in the vast majority. They just let the sin there, stay there, fester. It's, it's in, you know, it's just permeating through the congregation. It's no wonder the church is such a mess, particularly in America. They don't practice church discipline. And it's a big reason the church is in the shape it's in. No discernment. No backbone. For the most part. Romans 8, 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Capital S, Spirit. Meaning after the Holy Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now this is a constant struggle you'll have though. The flesh is going to war against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. There's that analogy where, you know, it's likened to, I don't want to compare the Holy Spirit to a dog, but there's that analogy where it says there was two dogs and and they were fighting all the time, and, and the one guy asked the owner, he said, well, which one, which one um, wins? He says, whichever one I feed the most. So if you feed the Spirit through the Word of God, because that's the washing of the water of the Word, and the Bible talks about that's how we get sanctified, that's how I believe we, we feed our reborn Spirit, recharge it, kind of, so to speak. Um, you feed it more. I mean, let's face it. If you're in the Word of God more, you're not going to have as much problem with sin. I guarantee you. If you're in prayer more, and particularly fasting, in the Word more, which is all a, a manner of crucifying the flesh, because you're, you're bringing the flesh into subjection, you're going to have less sin issues. I guarantee you that. Just a fact of life as a Christian. But if you're not and you're not doing those things, you're going to have more and more sin problems. Now, that's I'm, I may be oversimplifying it. There's a lot of other things that, that you can do. Um, you could quote scripture. Uh, I already mentioned praying and fasting, being in the word of God. But there's other things that, that obviously can be done. Not putting yourself in a position of temptation. And that's why the Bible says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But we may be putting our own self in a position of temptation. He's trying not to lead you into it, but you're willfully putting yourself there. And, you know, when that's the case, then you can't blame God for it. So, let's see here. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. This is Romans 8, 5. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, capital S. Romans 8, 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. So that implies if you're a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But again, remember what, what even 
Paul had said, oh, what a wretch of a man. He was saved. I mean, there's no doubt about that. There were many times you could look to in the Bible where Peter, who was, you know, came out after Pentecost and preached this unbelievable sermon, and then there were times after that you even saw Peter get into um, fear of man in those types of sin issues. So it's not like we're going to be Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian 24-7. The devil's going to come and he's going to attack us. He knows where our weak points are. And if we have um, our guard down... Oh, there's a lot of different reasons that can happen. You know, he's going to try to come after us. We're going to be tested. This is the trial of our faith. This is why it's important to put on the full armor of God every day. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness, our Lord's girdle with truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Putting on the helmet of salvation and taking up the shield of faith, above all, taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then also talks about earnestly praying with all supplication for me. We're to pray for one another. But notice it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Why? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities and rules of wickedness in high places and powers. Ephesians 6, this is where this is said. So our, our battle here is the spiritual battle. that It's unseen, we can't see it. Unless you have your third eye opened. Which, if you have your third eye open, I would almost guarantee you're not a born-again Bible-believing Christian. So you want to get that thing shut uh, and get saved. That being, having your third eye open is a very, very, it's kind of an advanced thing that they do in the occult where they can actually see into the spirit world. Like all the time, a lot of times, depending on what level you're at. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't give you a glimpse into the spirit world. But to be able to actually go around all the time, seeing into the spirit world, you know, I just don't see a lot of Bible for that. And that's what we really need to always hearken back to. Where, what does it say in the word of God? about these types of things. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. But again, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's how we quench these darts, the, the attacks uh, of the wicked one. And again, it, the main thing it seems to always boil down to that I identify in Scripture is the faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And faith to believe he can deliver you no matter how bad or what situation you are in. Whether you're facing death or whether you're facing a bad day. And again, it's easier said than done. But tribulation worketh patience. So, um, just something to think about there. And let's see here. Um, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit, capital S, is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him hath raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell in you. The Holy Spirit is what raised up Jesus from the dead. If it dwelleth in us, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So the Holy Spirit that lives inside us performs this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now that's an important point because we can't do this in and of ourselves. Even if we're born again Christian, we can't say, I'm going to of myself do this. 
and mortify the deeds of the flesh. We have to do it through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is a capital S here. And again, it's why it's very important what Bible you're reading because a lot of the Bibles, particularly the perverted versions, um, a lot of times they won't capitalize things like this or they'll they'll do a lot of things that really will be there to shake your faith. You won't know what spirit it's talking about. It's not a capital S. It could be any spirit. I mean, evil spirits are referred to in a lowercase s. But when you see the capital S, you're referring to the Holy Spirit. But we have to do it through the, through the Holy Spirit by His power. And then Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Now, in this case, you have uppercase spirit, Holy Spirit, itself beareth witness with our spirit, lowercase spirit, this is our spirit that we have, that we are the children of God. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and stop here. We'll go to part two next. God bless you.